Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Jock Mailbag. We were going to have Dylan last week, but due to some technical difficulties to do with Clarky's computer, we had to postpone to this week and have a week off. But Dylan, you are here. How are you, mate? I'm here. I'm keen. I'm looking forward to it, boys. And Clarky, you're always here. How are you, mate? Yeah, let's uh, get this one recorded while my computer decides to remain alive. I guess the first thing that we got to talk about is we've actually got some news regarding 2022 Supercoach, or at least at at this stage anyway. Do we need a news theme? Here's some news. They are talking about um, positional changes for the 2022 as it stands right now. There's still eight rounds to go, so obviously things could change between now and then. But as it stands right now, let's talk about the losers first. Let's talk about the disappointing, the disappointment first, and then we'll talk about the winning points after that. To, you know, to get people's spirits up as we walk going to the questions. Losers: Kyle Langford is going to lose his forward eligibility. Rory Laird is going to be a midfielder only. People will still start him though because he is doing really well as a midfielder for Adelaide. I think he's he's still pretty reasonably priced as well. He's not like outrageously expensive as a. He's about the same price as Clayton Oliver at the moment. So, I mean, if he maintains his regular trend. He's an interesting one. It, I think it'll come, I think a lot of people are overlooking next year purely because he's not that household name that you're Bond, you're McRae, you're Clayton Oliver, you're, oh, who else is there? Josh Kelly. Oh, that's a bit of a stretch, but he's not that sort of household name that we've had for years um, in the midfield. So, I reckon he'll be a bit of a pod next year. Ben McAvoy is going to lose his uh, defense eligibility and be a ruck only. Aaron Hall is going to be a defender. Bailey Dale is going to be a defender. That's no surprise. Callum Mills is going to be a midfielder. Jack Crisp is going to be a midfielder. Jack Zabel is going to be a defender. Jarman Impey is going to be a defender. No surprises there either. Lockie Whitfield is going to be a midfielder. There's not a lot of surprises in, the, in that loser category there. More, thi- more things that we really did expect to happen. Nat Fife will not be a mid-forward in 2022 as it stands, which is a big surprise for a lot of people. That actually really does surprise me, but if people don't know how the positions are decided, to get dual position status, you have to have played at least 35% in another position to get the dual position status. So obviously his his split isn't actually um, that large. 35% doesn't seem like much, but then I'm like, that five surely has to... Uh, I get in the, you had all the injuries and stuff. Yeah, the Dockers haven't had a great run with injuries. I don't think he's sta- been in the forward line as much as people think he has. But let's talk about the winners. Dyson Heppel is going to be a defender. That's a small win. Jack Billings is going to be a forward mid again. Mitch Duncan is going to be a forward mid. That's we're talking mid. about a we're talking about a guy who can average 110 plus, and before this year barely missed a game. Yeah, that's juicy. I reckon he's. Of all the, we'll finish the list in a sec, but I reckon he's the biggest name out of any of them. Lockie Hunter is a is going to be a forward mid as it stands. People will be tempted to start him because of his uh, 2019, 2020 average. He hasn't got up to those same heights this year though. People will still be tempted to start him. And to be honest, I don't think he's a bad selection. Lockie Weller is going to be a forward mid. Here's the one I'm the most excited about though. Tim English is going to be a ruck forward. Oof. That's tasty. That's going to be a good selection. I can imagine it's going to be quite popular, especially if 
Tim English, Max Gorn, Brody Grundy have separate buy rounds. Dan Houston's going to be a, a defensive mid. Harry Perriman's going to be a defender. Does anyone have Harry Perriman in their team? Hang on, we'll see. I think he's averaging, I've got him in a draft side, I think he's averaging just under 90, um, which is sort of, it's a little bit awkward, I guess, when you're looking at picking a defender. You sort of want probably 95 plus at least to start with. Um, but That's going to affect 234 people. I'm not going to say no, but I'm not going to say yes at the moment either. Uh, Mark Blitzavs is going to be a defensive ruck. Finally. However that works. Jake Stringer is going to be a forward mid. Hunter Clark is going to be a defensive mid. Tarin Thomas is going to be a forward mid. Liam Duggan is going to be a defensive mid. Jack Lacocious is going to be a defensive mid. Zach Butters is going to be a forward mid. Jordan Degoe is going to be a forward mid. I feel like some of those guys moving, like getting midfield added on there, I still don't see them as mid picks. Yeah, no. See, I've always said... I've always been in the fr- in the frame of mind where if they've got dual position status, you will start them in the in the in the lower position. Which so for example, instead of a forward mid, you'd start in the forward line. Defensive mid, you start in defence. Yep. Because the, because the pure mids are like your McCrays, your Bontempellis, your Steels, your Olivers, your Merritts. You know all those sorts sorts of players. You're not going to start Zach Butters over a Clayton Oliver. Not at their price, I think. Like some of those names as well, they're like at the perfect price of their guys. You'd probably take a gamble on maybe one, possibly two, depending on the line, and then hope that it pays off. But definitely, guys like I think Tim English is one. Tim English and Mitch Duncan, I think, are probably two of the biggest ones on that list just from this year. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think Duncan's a big, big one. And I think, as Damo mentioned, Tim English, depending on how your buy structure sort of looks next year and, and other options available, he might be worth a look to. Uh, Josh Dunkley, Dane Zorko, Dustin Martin will all retain their forward mid eligibility. Shay Bolton will also retain it. I believe he is forward mid this year. Uh, still side bottom uh, will retain it. Patrick Dangerfield will retain it. Isaac Smith and Rowan Marshall will also retain their dual position eligibility as well. So we're starting to get some 2022 news through the door. and It's a bit sad that it's, it's not too far off the end, but it's not close enough to the end that I'm like, is my season over? I should start planning for next year. <laughs> I'll, tr- I'll, I'll trust me. As soon as the season's over, people will want, will want the team picker. Not, not because they want to play Supercoach, but because they like playing, playing around with their team structures. And just looking at that... That list as well. The guys like Dunkley, Zorko, Martin, Dangerfield, I think that's where, like, that's the biggest positive out of all this, I think, is that those guys still have retained that status. I think just looking at it now, I'd be more likely to pick those guys over, bar maybe Duncan in English, any of the guys that, that have been granted different dual position status. But but it's, it's going to rely on what sort of rookies we get as well. We, we can't decide how we're going to structure our teams in the middle of 2021 for 2022 without knowing what rookies are available and what rookies are likely to be playing in round one and have good job security. We'll move straight into the questions because that's what this podcast is here for. Supercoach Mama, I interviewed her on, there's an interview with her on the website that's gone up. She's ranked fourth overall. She's asking our advice. I don't know why. Basically she's asking, should she get Jeremy Sharp or a non-playing 102k rookie? Depends on how many trades you have left. I'm assuming she's good at Supercoach, so I'm going to say that she's got trades left. So I would go with Sharp just because he's playing. 
Still might make it a bit of money. He's probably going to have fairly good job security as well because Noah Anderson's out with that broken hand or yeah. whatever it is. And Jeremy Sharp has scored 76 and 79 in his in his, in his two games this year so, so far. I think... He is going to be the best option, especially as a looping option if you want to, if you need to loop him with anyone. Also, Mum, if you're listening, open invitation, come on the mailbag. I think with with um with that question, it'll come down to the rest of her team structure. So whether she's got how many trades and also the other rookies that she's got. If she's planning on um upgrading Sharp potentially, obviously he's the one that'll make the most catch uh, cash. But if she's already got cover on that line, um, I'd almost be inclined to take the 102k option. There's not a lot of point in going sharp at 140 if you've already got Bramble and Newcomb. Uh, it says here she doesn't have Bramble, but if you've already got Newcomb, I would be a little bit hesitant to pay that extra 40-odd K um, if you have Newcomb and one other midfielder that are already playing. If I was her, though, I'd actually pay attention to team selection this week because nowhere in Francis and Dyson Heppel is out with a thumb injury. There is a huge chance that Sam Durham debuts, and he is a 102K defensive mid. Yeah, if he and plays, that, he that, is the no-brainer option, especially if you've got other cover on that line. Yeah, I would agree with that one hundred percent. Even if he's not named, you can also build a case for him. I think because he is in the frame. I know Ben Rutten said something today in a presser that was a little bit vague, but it was pretty much that he's in the frame and he'll get an opportunity soon. Which I mean, you don't always take coaches at their word, but it's good that he's been talked about at least. If you want someone who's definitely playing, you go for Jeremy Sharp. If if you want someone who's on the cusp of selection and probably is a good chance to play fairly soon, if 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 not this week, perhaps the week after, then you want to go for Sam Durham. And so from doing, sorry, just from doing uh, the Supercoach equivalent of Facebook stalking, uh, and by that I mean looking at the rankings uh, for Supercoach Mama's team, fourth overall. Well done. We're very proud of you. Uh, you're so much better than us. But looking at the team, um, I think, you know, if you do have, I think it comes back to, again, structure, like Dill was saying, if you've got money or if you need the money, you can definitely cash out to 102. But I think if you want to generate it, just looking at the bench, you know, Newcomb, McRae, uh, Finlay McRae, Fife, uh, Matt, Matt Flynn on the bench in the ruck. Oh, sorry. No, Matt Flynn on the... <laughs> As your R three is a loophole for Jacob Edwards, uh, as a one hundred two. You got Coleman Jones, Waterman in the forward line, so I think there's definitely an option there if you want to keep on generating a little bit more money. Who are the midfielders again? Newcomb, Finlay, McRae, Newcomb, and Aiden Fife. Hmm. You probably want to go for someone who's playing then. Yeah, I, that makes me think sharp. Bianco and Briggs are listed as the two bench for her defenders as well. I think if that's her bench, she wants to go for someone who's definitely playing. So Jeremy Sharp probably um, pips a non-playing 102K player. Yeah, I'd agree with that. We'll move on to the next question. Nige Knighton on Twitter wants to know if he should complete his final, he's complete his team with his final upgrade, Zach Butters or Rowan Marshall. Zach Butters has been confirmed to play. Rowan Marshall's got the foot issue. Nigel, if you can, I'd wait a week and then possibly go for Zach Butters. I agree wholeheartedly with Damo. Took the words right out of my mouth. I would wait a week and go for Zach Butters. Yes, exactly In that order. Don't even just see what happens and then pick him anyway. Yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'm always hesitant to pick guys like that, especially early on. I know Butters has a really high break even still as well, but they tend to take a while to get going. So definitely wait a week or two and, and look at... 
Butters, I think, has the most upside, so probably him, but definitely wait a week if you can. And then Hayden has asked, thoughts on Nick Haynes or other sub-500k defenders? So Nick Haynes is a very good defender. Nick Haynes is currently 424k. He's averaging 92.3 over his last three, 89.2 over his last five. But if we're talking about defenders under 500k, you've also got Jordan Ridley, Christian Salem, Jordan Dawson, Jacob Wiedering is... Averaging 92.5. There's other options. I don't mind the Nick Haynes selection, though. Nick Haynes, from what I'm looking at here, definitely has a lot more to do against sides. Or, sorry, a lot more scoring against sides who aren't particularly performing well. 118 coming against North Melbourne, a 96 against Carlton, a 94 against Hawthorne, and Melbourne kicked him straight to it, which I got to experience live. Uh, kicked it straight to him about every single time we wanted a forward entry, and he scored an 87 off that. So with Gold Coast, Sydney, Essendon, and Port as the next four, I reckon there's probably a good chance for him to at least average 80-plus um, with the Giants playing really good contested footy. But, and call me bias, I prefer Christian Salem. Reckon- I'm not even... I'm not even think, thinking you're biased. I do think that Christian Salem's probably the best option under 500k at the moment. I, I personally like Ridley still at 495. I think his role is is back to the more supercoach-friendly role. Um, but Salem's definitely, definitely right up there. Uh, now, the trouble with Salem is that he, he scores better when Melbourne are struggling. <laughs> And that's that hurts. The ball has to live, in, has to live in Melbourne's defense for, for him to, for him to do not, well. Not even that. They use him so often for just for exiting the defensive fifty when they're trying to be a bit more methodical about it. He racked up something. He racked what thirty plus touches on the weekend against GWS. Now just watched it because they would go and look for him because he was the one that had the confidence to make a pinpoint pass or to try and get it to, because he's very, very good at effective disposals and he's got a really good efficiency with his kick. So I think he definitely has a much higher ceiling, I think, than what some of the other guys around that same price are doing, especially mm. against Port Adelaide this week. Do we like Dan Houston as an option? I am I could go either way. I think he's, he's had flashes of brilliance and then flashes of me going, huh, dodge that bullet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He seems very volatile with his scoring, um, but he's cheaper. I really like – this is definitely a biased one, but I really like Jack Scrimshaw. He was pretty ordinary in the weekend, but prior to that, he was um, he was right up there amongst the, the top defenders. He's last – scored 62 um, against Port last week, but just let me bring up his scores. His last um, – since round seven. So round last four uh... – Sorry, I was going to say he's got in his last four, 94, 93, and a 131. Yep. So I'll take a 62 as a variant. Yeah, and then before that, there was 105, 109, 89, and 103. So since round seven, um, which is when we started using him a little bit more as that outlet in defense, um, he's been he's been pretty sound. And if you needed a budget defender, um, I'd definitely have a look at him. I, st- I think I'd still go Ridley, but... Um, if you're strapped for cash, certainly have a look at him. I can't be biased because all the Dockers defenders are averaging like 70, so, you know. <laughs> you could pick the official best hair in the AFL, Alex Pierce. 
Oh yeah, did you guys see that photo on social media? I think I sent it to you. I think I oh. sent it to you guys. Just flowing locks in the wind, at Port Melbourne. Just Alex, Alex Pierce is objectively hot. He looks like um, who's the the just Aquaman? Ah, oh, Jason, Jason Momoa. Momoa. It gives me Aquaman vibes. Patch and Leck want him in sleeves with that hair flowing. <laughs> What Patch and Leck do in their private together time is none of the mailbag's business, Damo. Yep, moving swiftly on. I have a question this week. Oh, go on then. Who is your favourite player who is not good at Supercoach? Somebody you love playing, love seeing play, but you can never pick him because he's not going to score particularly well or he's not like a safe option. Uh, For example, one of mine, uh, probably one of my number one is Zach Tui. Love watching him play. Love the way he plays football. Probably one of the best mustaches in the AFL, but I could never pick him. That is a really hard question. It's it's a really tough question because there are lots of players I love watching, but and and I have to admit, playing Supercoach, watching my Supercoach players or Supercoach relevant players, has made watching football far more enjoyable. But there is a player that made me go. Maybe he's someone I can pick in the future. I love watching Cam Zerha. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. that's instant shivers oh. down my spine. I do not like Zerha oh. at all. No. You don't like watching Cam Zerha? No. I, I love no. watching Cam Zerha. His first eight weeks of the season were like, I had the same amount of impact on the contest as he did. And then he played Hawthorne and we got him into form, so... That's Hawthorne for you. And I also like this bloke, then Clarkie will love me for mentioning him, Charlie Spargo. Yes! My boy! My second boy. (laughs) But Between him and Trent Rivers, oh. Beautiful on both ends, that boy. He looks like a supervillain. That's my favourite thing about Charlie Spargo. He looks like a Bond villain. I read something on Twitter the, the the other week where someone reckons he he looks like a second year real estate agent or something. So, <laughs> oh god, poor Charlie. But he no he I want, let me bring the bias out. Hang on, let me get that. Is that the door? I'll get that one for you. It's the bias. Here we go. Charlie Spargo is a great small forward because he has always had two hundred percent work rate because he's tiny, and I have loved that from the second I watched him play. I was I was just enamored. He tries so hard, and I will forgive any mistakes he makes because of that. Dylan, we haven't heard from you yet. Who's your favorite non-supercoach relevant player? I mean, geez, I, re- I love a good forward, like a big key forward who's up and running. So that's Buddy and Tex. When they're up and about, that is good to watch. Do you count them as relevant? Sort of, not really, maybe. Um, Te- hey, look, if 2021 Tex Walker is awesomely yeah, relevant. Oh, really? But I agree. There's, there's one guy who hopefully is back this week, another bias call, but Hawthorne, Denver Granger Barras. He has a little bit of pestery about him, and I love it. He was right into those Giants boys, and it was good to watch. as a, For a side that's been pretty ordinary all year, a guy who comes in with a little bit of grunt um, and hustle, I really enjoyed watching that. Um, I, hopefully we turn him into a key like a key position defender. Um so I doubt he'll be relevant if that does happen. But he's one I really like the look of. And then I guess some of your smaller forwards that are a little bit pestery as well. Um, Tom Papley, I reckon he's a gun too. Is Xavier Dersma super relevant? Because I quite like him as well. Yeah, 
I love. It wasn't his rookie well. year. That bow and arrow. I'm just I'm just <laughs> looking at a list and I'm and I'm like Ed Richards is a good player. I, I quite like when Ed Richards plays, and you can really sense a theme here carrying on from Cam Zerha. I like Mitch Robinson as well. <laughs> Robbo, I love Robbo because he is he's like if Joel Selwood was likable. <laughs> because I. Because I rate Robbo. I think he seems like a real good bloke. Like, yeah, he's got some controversial opinions and that's fine. Like, that's how he is. But he's like on the right level where I'm like, nah, look, as soon as the siren blows, you're not going to be an outright dick to people for no reason. But Selwood, I'm like, put him in the bin. Mitch Robinson's got some great white line fever. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, that's a really... T- I, can't, I can't think of someone like off the top of my head who's... Like the players I picked are just guys that are really... Like good to watch at the best of times. I don't know. That's a really hard question. Brad Close for repping the sleeves always. I don't think I've. I don't, I don't think I've seen him out of sleeves. So he's automatically Lex favorite player. Is the man lives in sleeves? I think there's there's so many people that you forget. Um, you Charlie know, Cameron is another one. Charlie Cameron's a great one. Cam Rayner. We could we could do it for each of the teams. I think. Oh, we 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 could go on for hours talk talking about this. But uh, we'll, we should finish off with one nice and easy one. Who's your first pick for 2022, given that we started with pick position changes? Sean Darcy. Wow. You stole mine. <laughs> <laughs> you beautiful, beautiful man. Sean Darcy is going to be my first pick to next year as well. I think. You can't ignore it. To be honest, just just, just on that, I don't think I'm going to start Max Gorn next year. The rise of Luke Jackson, the, the reliance on Max Gorn has gone has gone right down. I can see myself starting with a Grundy Darcy combination and perhaps Tim English in the forward line. I don't know whether I'm going to pick Gorn or Grundy next year. Who would be your R2, assuming you went with Darcy? So it'll, look, it'll probably end up being someone insane that like like Draper or just taking a huge punt there. Or go with Matt Flynn again. If Matt, if Mummy plays another year, Matt Flynn could might not be the worst yeah. option at R two again. I can see some people going with a Darcy Proust combination. True, yeah, Proust, the most cursed man in football. Yeah, if he can, if he can stop walking under ladders and opening umbrellas inside, then he'll 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 be sweet. Or even just putting weights down. Did, I don't understand yeah, how he gets injured all the time doing literally nothing. I feel so bad for Braden Bruce. I, he's probably one of the, those people who I'm just like, I just want him to get a game as a number one ruck. That's all I want for him. Mm, that's bit bit Matt Rao vibes. That I think. Sorry, Tom Hickey. That's it. I was buying time. I was trying to remember. Tom Hickey is another one I think who has found his stride in that Sydney side that rhymed beautiful <laughs> he's so clever um and I think that Sydney side are going to get so much better because they're young and they're quick and they're dangerous like they're kind of slowing down as the season is reaching near the end but I think Sydney from rounds like one to eight were so scary when they were on a roll yeah I really like watching them I think for me Bond would have to be number one he's just He's taken that inconsistency out of his game, and he can he scores like from anything. He he's, he's, got, he's a full package. I think he tackles, he kicks goals, um, gets a lot of the ball. Plus, you know, sometimes we feel like there's a few unicorn points he gets granted. Um, I think he he'll be number one for me next year. It was in the in the midfield. I'm also going to be starting Andrew Brasher. I didn't start him this year because he wasn't forward eligible, but I think I I think I should have. So I'm definitely going to start him next year. I think he's going to be a better player next year and I think and I'm going to start him I'm not going to dance around it I'm going to, I'm going to start him Brayshaw breakout 2.0 Brayshaw breaks out further 
And what's the deal with Adam Chera, Jamie? Is he staying or is he going? If you ask the WA media, he's, he's staying. If you, ask, if you ask the Victorian media, he's going. It all seems to defend on the Dockers' form. So the Dockers lost on the weekend, so he's going. The Dockers win on the Dockers win this weekend is probably staying. I don't think anyone has any clue. I don't think he has any clue either. Yeah, he'll make a decision when the time comes. But I think you're right. I think Brayshaw should be really high on people's lists to watch next year. He's been so so improved over the last couple of years. And as the years gone on, he's learned how to break a tag as well, which is something that some of the, even the like Clayton Oliver can't really break a tag that well. Yeah. What was that stat we right. found before, Damo? Round three, he scored like 60-something. Round three, he scored 60-something against Ed Kerno, directly lined up on Ed Kerno. On the weekend, he scored 135, directly lined up on Ed Kerno. Promising, promising sign. He's improved, he's improved. All right, I think we've got to end it there because we'll, we're talking for hours if we don't. Clarky, thank you again. And Dill, thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. See you next week, community.